0: from First Chronicles uh, chapter 17. Um, we are going to be verse, where I gone? Verse 16 to 27. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and he said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? And as if this were not enough in your sight, O God, you have spoken about the future of the house of your servant. You have looked on me as though I were the most exalted of men, O Lord God. What more can David say to you for honoring your servant? For you know your servant, O Lord. For the sake of your servant and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made known all these great promises. There is no one like you, O Lord, and there is no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears. And who is like your people, Israel, the one nation on earth whose God went out to redeem a people for himself and to make a name for yourself and to perform great and awesome wonders by driving out nations from before your people, whom you redeemed from Egypt. You made your people, Israel, your very own forever, and you, O Lord, have become their God. And now, Lord, let the promise you have made concerning your servant and his house be established forever. Do as you promised, so that it will be established and that your name will be great forever. Then men will say, the Lord Almighty, the God over Israel, is Israel's God. And the house of your servant, David, will be established before you. You, my God, have revealed to your servant that you will build a house for him. So your servant has found courage to pray to you. O Lord, you are God. You have promised these good things to your servant. Now you have been pleased to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever in your sight. For you, O Lord, have blessed it and it will be blessed forever.
1: Thank you so much, Lauren, for leading us this morning so well. Um, If you have your Bible, just keep it open at 1 Chronicles 17. We're going to think about the second, well, the whole chapter, but uh, the second half of that chapter, David's Prayer, in particular, this morning. Cara Powell and Brad Griffin, they write this. Um, They write that every teenager is a walking bundle of questions. For adolescents around us, the questions in their driver's seat may be about their friends, race, money, grades, abuse, justice, sports, future, family, social media, or mental health. Sometimes their questions leak out and are muttered aloud, but more commonly, they remain bottled inside a teenager's curious mind and conflicted soul. From our research, state the authors, we propose that today's adolescents wrestle with three key underlying questions. Who am I? Where do I fit? And what difference can I make? The first is a question of identity which we define as our view of ourselves. The second question is about belonging, defined as our connection with others. And finally, the third question is about purpose or our contribution to the world. There you go. Three questions, three key questions at the very core of every other question being asked, who am I? Identity. Where do I fit? Belonging. And what difference can I make? What's my purpose in this life? Teenagers, young adults are, of course, forming a sense of identity, belonging, and purpose every day through their various interactions with other people and in in a whole variety of other uh, ways and means. Please, if you've teenagers, please bear with them as they navigate all of that. Um, It's a hard world. Um, There are big questions being raised and, and things are being formed within our teenagers' hearts and within our young people's hearts from an early age. But I'm convinced and I know, as the authors of that book are convinced as well, That Jesus gives the better answer. That Jesus gives the best answer to all three of those questions. To the question of identity, Jesus' better answer says, I am enough because of Jesus. To the question of belonging, Jesus' better answer says, I belong with God's people. I belong within God's kingdom. I belong. the question of purpose, I'm invited to participate in God's greater story to play my part in what He's doing here on earth. Purpose. I think the truth is that no matter what age we are, this is not a a message for teenagers, by the way, although I do hope you teenagers are well-tuned in from the very beginning um, this morning. The truth is that for all of us, no matter what age we are, we all need to know who we are. Who am I, God? We all need to know where we fit in in this world that we've been born into. Where do I belong? And we all need to know what difference we can make in this world. We all need to discover that we have and we carry a sense of purpose, the greatest purpose of all. So I wonder this morning, as you gather here in church, how is your sense of identity, belonging, and purpose? Where do you find yourself on all three of those questions? Do you feel like you know who you are? Maybe you're here this morning, you're with us because you're asking that question, who am I, God? Who am I? I want to know more about this life that I've been given. Who am I? I wonder, do you know who you are? I wonder, do you feel like you fit in? I wonder, do you feel like you belong anywhere in this world? I wonder, do you feel like you have purpose? Do you feel like you're living out purposefully here on earth? Or have you been living so far your existence and kind of just going through the motions? You don't feel like you've anything to give. You don't think that you can make any real difference in this world. Well, we're inviting you to hear something radically different this morning. See, we're going to wrestle this morning with those three questions. And I think, as I studied God's Word this week, David's prayer in 1 Chronicles chapter 17 is really interesting because in many ways, in those few verses that Lauren read for us, as David prays before the Lord, as he speaks with God, these three questions all come to the forefront of David's prayer. So first of all, identity, who am I? Who am I? We read in verse 16, if you're following along, it says, then King David went in. Remember, he is the king of the nation. It's King David. We read that King David went in and sat before the Lord. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? King David went in and he sat before the Lord. If you've been journeying with us, you'll be well aware that David was a man who inquired of the Lord. David didn't live his life, even though he was the king of the nation, independently from God. At every turn, in every situation and circumstance, David seeks the Lord. He inquires of the Lord. And in this big moment, in 1 Chronicles 17, we read that David went in and he sat before the Lord. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? What does he say when he sits before the Lord? Verse uh, 16 goes on. He says, Who am I, Lord? There it is. Who am I, Lord? And what is my family that you've brought me this far? And, as, and this and. an And as if it were not enough in your sight, my God, you've spoken about the future of the house of your servant. You, Lord God, have looked on me. Listen to this. You've looked on me as though I were the most exalted of men. There it is. Who am I, Lord? Who am I, Lord, says King David. David reflects in this moment on his personhood, on who he is. He he reflects on his identity before God. You see, David knows that he's simply a poor shepherd boy. Remember that? Don't forget that. David is simply a poor shepherd boy, yet he is now exalted by God to the highest place. He's the king of the nation. Shepherd boy become king. David knows who he is, and he knows that God has graciously given him everything that he has in life. He knows that. Remember from last week, David understands that God's goodness and God's loyal love will follow him all the days of his life. Remember that? Even though he's the king of the nation, David understands that God's loyal love has been with him and will be with him all the days of his life. One commentator makes a really good point on this, and they say this. They say, David's attitude Wasn't I am so great that even God gives me gifts? David's attitude was God is so great that he gives even me gifts. You hear the difference? Even me. David carries this even me attitude before the Lord. Even me, God, that you would look upon me, that your eye would fall upon me, that you would bless me, in this way. I wonder, do you ever feel that way? I think it's actually a really good test of our humility. If we carry that even me kind of attitude, Lord God, that you would look upon even me. You know, every day I live on the face of this earth, I cannot believe what God has done in my life i it often, I've said it from the front of, of church before. I was the last person who I ever thought would become this. ta How on earth did this happen? I have no idea. But by the grace of God, even me, Lord, look at the work you've done in my life. It's not just me, it's every single one of us. Huh? Just look at your own life. Just in your heart, close your eyes and thank the Lord. Even me, God, look what you've done in my life. Thank you, Jesus. You've done it for even me, even me. It's a good test of our humility. It's actually a good test of our understanding of grace as well. If we carry that even me attitude through our daily life, we kind of get grace, we get grace. We understand that we are undeserving, that we haven't earned any of what God has poured out upon us. You see, to know God's grace is to adopt this even-me attitude and perspective. As the songwriter puts it, who am I? That the highest king would welcome me. I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Whom the sun sets free. Oh, is free indeed. It's almost a song there, isn't it? I almost sung it. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? He's brought me in. David knows who he is by God's grace. Not only is he the humble shepherd boy become king of a nation, but 10 times, right, 10 times, I counted them, 10 times he refers to himself in this short prayer as servant. That's going to be really important. As David wrestles with his purpose in life, His understanding of himself as a servant of the high king of heaven is really, really important. David knows that he is a servant. He has servants, of course he does. David has people running around after him as the king of a nation. He has servants, but he views himself as a servant of the high king of heaven, the king of kings. A servant is one who knows who the king is. To know you're a servant means you voluntarily set aside all personal agendas in order to love, serve, and obey the king of kings. David knows that he is a servant. I wonder this morning, what about, your, what about our sense of identity? I wonder when the last time was that you thought about who you are. Who am I? Who am I, God? What about your sense of identity? Who are you? How do you view yourself? Do you view yourself through the eyes of God or through the eyes of this world? That's a really important question. The enemy wants to deceive us into thinking that we are all these other negative things. But for those of us who are in Christ, our identity is in Him Sealed forever in who he says that we are. There are loads of New Testament scriptures that I could go to, but let me go to 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10. You can flick to that if you're following along. 1 Peter 2, verses 9 to 10, because there Peter describes his Christian readers, us, using terms that the Old Testament only used for the ancient uh, nation of Israel. Okay, so this is really, um, really appropriate for this series. Here's what Peter says. Using Old Testament language, he says of us today, he says, but you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Isn't that amazing? Chosen, royal, and holy. When was the last time you were reminded that that is who you are? Chosen, royal, and holy. That's who we are. It's the people of God. You're God's special possession. You hear that? It's the church, it's those who are in Christ. We are God's special possession. Possession, that's who we are. Let that sink in. Let's let that sink in. No matter your background, no matter ethnicity, station in life, no matter who you are or where you have come from, for anyone to believe in Jesus Christ is to uh, collectively become all at once chosen, royal, and holy, belonging to God. His cherished possession, purchased by him at the highest price, the precious blood of Christ. You know what that means for you and for me? That means we are immeasurably loved. That's that loyal love of Jesus. To be God's cherished possession means we are immeasurably loved more than we could ever imagine, even with with all of our faults and failures, with all of our mess-ups and mistakes. His grace still covers those who are in him, and he loves us more than we could ever, ever know. You are God's cherished possession, and we're brought back into our truest identity of all. We are children of God. We are children of God. What about that for an identity? If you don't know who you are this morning, if you're struggling to know who you are, this is who we are as the people of God in Christ. But we know that with that identity comes great responsibility. Anyone who is in Christ, remember, the old has gone and the new has come. The old us is gone forever. The new man or woman is born again by the Spirit of God. Yeah, our old self is dead. We now live to Christ and for his purposes. We are his servants. We're to serve King Jesus. We're to represent him in this world. We're to declare his praises, the praises of the one who's called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's why we exist. That is who we are. That is our identity in Christ. What about belonging? What about that? Where do I fit in? Where do we fit in? Look at David again as as he continues to speak with God. David addresses his sense of belonging. Look at verse 21. He says, and who is like your people, Israel? The one nation on earth whose God went out to redeem a people for himself. Then verse 22, David says, you made your people, Israel, your very own forever. And you, Lord, have become their God. Do you hear that? You've made your people, Israel, your very own forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. It's good to know that we belong, isn't it? Do you know that, that the human condition, we're, we're wired for a sense of belonging. I wonder, do you understand that? In fact, that's why people struggle in life when they feel like they don't fit in. See if you know anyone who feels like they're struggling to fit in whether it's in school or in the workplace or even within your family, you might know people. They struggle to fit in. You need to get alongside that person. We're wired for belonging. We're wired to know that we're loved and that we fit in. As human beings, we're just wired for it. We have this deep human instinct within us that desires to belong for as long as I'm minister of this church family, and I hope that's for years, I, I I want us to foster a sense of deep belonging. That when people come in here, people understand that this is a place where I can belong. No matter what they might look like, yeah? No matter what they might carry in here, that we welcome them in. That we introduce them to the one who's brought us into his family forever, that they would experience the deepest sense of not only longing, but belonging in life. David knows that he belongs to the people of Israel. He knew that. He knew where he was from. David knew who he belonged to, and he knew that these people are God's very own forever. He knows that God is their God and that they are his people. There's a a statement of belonging. You are our God, we are your people. We belong to you forever, God. You are ours and we are yours. We belong with you forever. What a foundation for life that must have brought the King David as he tried to lead these people. The resolved life is the life that knows it belongs. You've made us yours, God, forever. We belong here with you and with each other. What about 1 Peter 2 again? What about our our sense of belonging? Well, to be chosen is to then be sure that we belong. Look at verse 10 of 1 Peter 2. Peter writes, Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Do you hear the invitation to belonging in that scripture? God is saying, there is a way for you. There is a way for you. who, who was want, You were once outside of my family. You were once disconnected from me. There's a way for you to belong. There's a way for you to come to me, and it's the way of mercy. It's the way of grace. It's the way of Jesus. Once you were not a people, but here God is saying, you can become my people. You can belong with me forever. We live in a, let's call it a, a swipe right culture. You know what I'm saying? Anyone awake this morning? We live in a swipe right culture, right? You were, right? <laughs> swipe right? <laughs> we're surely our thumbs, let's be honest with each other, surely our thumbs must be worn out from swiping right through endless snippets of uncurated information convincing us of where we might just find a sense of belonging in this life, okay? I think, a really, I think I'm going to start introducing the kind of thumb check at church just to see how worn away your thumb is from all you're swiping right, seeing what's next on your feed, telling you where you can belong. But let's be honest, a lot of it is uncurated nonsense, author and partner for theology and culture at Praxis, Andy Crouch. He uses a really helpful two-by-two chart that suggests that our sense of belonging in this world results from two things. This is really important. Our sense of being known and our sense of being loved. Being known without being loved is called rejection. And I'm sorry if you've ever felt that in your life. I mean that. Being loved without being known is merely fitting in. And it's a shame if that's been your experience as well. But being neither loved nor known is being ignored and rejected entirely. And my heart breaks for anyone who has felt that or experienced that. But to be a Christian... To be a Christian, listen to me, to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus is to understand the good news of the Bible that through Jesus we can be eternally both known and loved and our sense of belonging is secured and sealed and fastened forever. Thank you, Nigel. If you're wondering the name of the man who makes the hallelujahs, it's Nigel. Thank you, Nigel. Hallelujah, indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To be a Christian is to be both known and perfectly loved forever, never to be separated from God's love. Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you don't, you feel like you're not known, or that you're not loved, there's the invitation to be eternally known, to be eternally loved, forevermore. Jeremy Lineman. Um, An author I respect, he writes this, he says, we belong not to ourselves, but to God. And then through him, here's the other beautiful thing, through him to his people. At long last, and I love this, at long last, our search for true belonging can have a happy ending. Who loves a happy ending? You hate movies that end badly. At long last, our search for true belonging can have a happy ending. In Christ... And among his people, we are fully known and fully loved. Identity, belonging, finally, what about our purpose? What difference can I make? What difference can I make? In chapter 17, um, it speaks of God's covenant with David. God enters into this covenant with David. David's house, it's his dynasty will be established forever. And as we've been reminding ourselves, we know that that through the line of King David, through the dynasty of David, would come the Messiah, Messiah Jesus, the Son of God, would come from the family line of David. And so David's dynasty would be established forever. That's what's being spoken of in chapter 17. And as David prays to God in this moment, we can sense that David knows how important his life is. David knows that his life carries great significance and huge importance. American author Mark Twain famously once said, at least it's attributed to Mark Twain. He said, the two most important days in a person's life are the day that he is born and the day he finds out why. We need to know the why. Again, if you're here, you're not a Christian. I'm giving you the why. The why you exist on this earth. To be known and loved by God. To come into relationship with him through what Jesus has done for you. To find the greatest purpose of all. I believe that both our enthusiasm for and our contentment with life stems from having a deeper sense of purpose. Do you feel you have purpose? Do you feel you have significance in this world? King David carried purpose. He knew what he was called to do in life. But here's the really significant thing. David knew what he was not called to do in life. You see, David had it in his heart I'm not sure if you're aware of this. David had it in his heart, the Bible tells us that, to build a house for the Lord. It actually, David says that it's in his heart. In his heart, he wanted to build a house for the Lord. He wanted to be the one who would build a temple for God, a temple for the Ark of the Covenant. Remember that? That's what we've been talking about, the Ark of the presence of God. David had it in his heart to build a house, a temple for the presence of God. But because David had, had shed much blood, Chapter 22 tells us this, because David had fought many wars, because David was not a man of peace, that task would be given to his son Solomon. Solomon would be the one who would build a house for the Lord. So God basically says to David, and this is really, really important, God says to David, "No," to what was in his heart. How's that for living out your dream? David says, it's in my heart to build a house for the Lord. And the Lord says, no, that's not for you. Have you ever had God say, no, this isn't for you? Even if you sensed that it was in your heart and put upon your heart to do whatever that was. Let's be honest. At this point with David, many, many leaders would kind of sulk. Wouldn't they? They would huff. Um, And they would say, if it's not me, if if it's not me going to do what's in my heart to do, if I'm not going to be the one to cut the ribbon, then I'm not going to contribute to it anymore. I'm out. But rather than sulk and huff, what does David do? This portion of Scripture tells us that David prays. Remember, he turns to the Lord and inquires of God. He knows that God's ways are better, are best. He knows that his life is on a purposeful track with God. God knows what's in front of him. And so David turns to God and he prays. David would gather the materials for the building of the temple. He would still contribute massively, but his son Solomon would be the one who would build the temple. So when we wrestle with purpose, with the specifics of why, and I think this is really important to say this this morning, the specifics of why you and I are here we need to understand what we're called to and what we're not called to we need to know that sometimes there are things that God will say no to that is not for you that's for someone else we need to know what we're here to do and what we're not here to do we work it out with God keep inquiring of the lord keep inquiring of the lord keep inquiring of the Lord, and serve Him with all of your heart in the very best way you can with the way that God has gifted you and me. But fundamentally, I'm going to close with this. Fundamentally, we must know that whether we gather or build, whether we lead out in front, front stage and center, or whether we serve off stage and in the background, Okay, you with me? Whether school teacher, cleaner, administrator, graphic designer, bricklayer, accounts manager, delivery driver, executive assistant, project manager, software engineer, medical practitioner, business owner, taxi driver, lawyer, nanny, mummy, friend. We must know that as those who love and serve and follow King Jesus, every single one of us, we carry the greatest purpose of all. In this life, wherever we are, and that's to declare the praises of the one who has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Why don't we stand together? Let's stand together. We're going to worship God. Just before we do that, why don't you close uh, your eyes? Let's just come before God in a moment uh, of prayer, a moment of response and then prayer. One, One devotional author writes this. He says, why does the earth spin for him? Why do you have talents and abilities for him? Whose word matters? His. Whose will must be done? His, not ours. God's to-do list for us consists of just one item. Reveal my glory. Heaven's statement of purpose reads, declare God's glory. Everything and everyone exists to reveal his glory, including you and me. We exist for his praise and his glory. Lord God, in this moment of response, we're very aware that there may be people here who just do not know who they are. Lord, as the word of God has gone out, may we be reminded that in Christ, our identity is revealed, that you love us, that you call us to be with you in relationship with you forever maybe we struggle to know where we fit in. We thank you, God, that when we give our lives to Jesus, we belong in your kingdom forever. But God, we pray that this place would be a place of belonging. Father, that we would be a church of belonging. Even for those who as yet have not put their trust in Jesus, that they would know that we are a a people of welcome. That we're a people who invite people to come in to be part of the greatest adventure, the greatest story there could ever be of what you're doing here on this earth. That is our purpose. Father, may you fill us with great pregnant purpose this morning, that we would go from here intent on revealing your glory. We exist for the glory of God, for the splendor of the King. And so enable us in these moments of worship to respond to you, to lift our voices in worship, Lord, that we might exist to declare the glory of our God, the splendor of our King, in whose name we pray. Amen.